0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Uh, good to be back with you guys. As you know, we are currently on our Pharos Rewind. We are relaunching old podcasts uh, while we are on baby leave with our new uh, baby boy, uh, Levi, who's who's now with us and healthy and strong and all the good stuff. Um, this next podcast is Train to Avoid Pain with Emily Cavell. Uh, as you know, Emily, uh, my wife is an expert at this stuff. She's a genius uh, with all things prehab, rehab, mobility. Uh, We talk about assessing and addressing. We talk about position, activation, uh, ranges of motion, and adhesion. Uh, We want people to stay as healthy as possible for as long as possible. It's not just about breaking the body down all the time with exercise. It's about building the body up and being smart as well as hard. So, give it a listen. Let me know your thoughts. Please enjoy it. It's a great one. Uh, Emily's a genius, and and this podcast proves it. (laughs) So, enjoy, and uh, I'll see you soon in the gym. Until then, take care. Welcome to the Barrel Spit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, I am here today with the Emily cavell (laughs) (laughs) today's podcast is going to be all about recovery um it's for anybody who's interested in avoiding injury which i think we all are also anybody who's interested in recovering from injury uh, and avoiding pain in the future recovery is a huge part of what we do at first athletic club Uh, right from the outset we decided that mechanics uh, was going to play a huge part in our you know in what we do at the gym And Emily developed a repair program to help, as we said, athletes prepare for and recover from the kind of activity that we do at the club. We have a very active membership. We do a lot of lifting. We do a lot of moving. We do a lot of running. We do a lot of boxing. We do a lot of everything. And as we know, the more things we do, the more things we need to recover from. So from today's episode, we're going to learn a lot from Emily about, you know, the best way to prepare for and to recover from activity. (laughs) Excited
1: to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course of course and uh, um, why don't we kind of go back to the beginning uh, how did you get into this how did this whole thing happen this this kind of fascination with with repair
1: I mean I know we if you've listened to any of the episodes before I have mentioned my background as a former fat kid <laughs> and self-pronounced cripple with rheumatoid arthritis and hip dysplasia um, that really just kind of turned my own life and health around and now I'm super passionate about paying it forward and kind of helping others so I'm a movement therapist I I uh, have a background in kinesiology, certifications from NASM, um, CrossFit Level 1, yoga, FRC, and anatomy Trains tr- uh, structural integration. And from there, I... I- I'd like to think that I integrate a really comprehensive system to assess, address, and ultimately rewire biomechanical faults in individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, created originally as a way to quickly assess mobility issues in order to provide better warm up and cool down and modification protocols in uh, a group setting we now kind of enhance that and refer to it as the repair protocol. And now it's really a step-by-step system of body re-education that has helped, I'm proud to say like thousands of people reduce pain and restore movement and increase performance.
0: And also I think you've done it in such a way, in such a language that has made it more accessible for for meatheads like me, who like (laughs) typically avoid this kind of stuff. just because we feel uncomfortable with it, but the way that you've done it and the way that you've, like I said, the language you've brought to it has made it very accessible for, for more than just your you know, your average yogi, which has been you know, super beneficial. So tell us a little bit about like how you really brought the system uh, into developing the mechanics program at Pharos.
1: Well, I guess my ultimate goal with the uh, Ferris Mechanics is to bridge the gap between rehab and performance. You know, everyone comes into the gym with a history of injuries and imbalance, uh, imbalances and specific needs and traumas, you know, past traumas. Right. And it's really our job as coaches uh, to individualize each person's workout so they can train to avoid pain. You know, they yeah. say like no pain, no gain, but that's not entirely true. And of course, you know, we always say we want to encourage a doctor's clinic and we want to avoid diagnosing or treating injuries. But we really do want to have a solid understanding of how to assess movement dysfunction, how to modify exercises, and how to help people progress safely within the scope of our practice. You know, Every person deserves to feel supported and know that they're doing the right program for them. So I think how we integrate that is it really starts with the first interaction at Ferris. Sure, some people jump into a class and get right into the feel and the energy of the group environment and they have you know experience doing that kind of thing but for the most part people who come and take their first experience at Pharos is with our intro session that 75 minute personal training session we interview them in depth about their history and their goals and any histories of injuries that they may have and of course their expectations or goals uh, in joining Pharos. this is super important to me because I like to know how people fundamentally move before throwing them into any kind of performance yeah and I really believe that assessments should be the backbone of any training program.
0: Why load bad mechanics, right? That's what you would say.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And we see it all the time. Like they want to get strong, so they come in and do strength and just load... Uh, a lot of volume and a lot of load onto bad mechanics and it just you know you have to strip off you have so much more work to do and like once you know uh, if and when they do get injured to undo the damage of the work that they've done when if they were to have just come in at the beginning and assessments and individualization and mobility served as the backbone of their training program they would have progressed a lot faster and not had, had gotten injured so you know we put of course people through a body composition that lets us know where their you know, muscle mass, body fat, basal metabolic rate are, but we kind of take it one step further and do a range of motion and mobility screen to get an idea of their imbalances, their faulty movement patterns, and any other kind of glaring issues that get in the way of exercise routines. Um, you know, bad posture patterns, injuries, sedentary lifestyles, forward head or text neck, you know, um, tight hamstrings, wow. things like that. You know, so it's important that we meet people where they are, uh, figure out where they are. And then mm-hmm. from there, I help them build a really individualized protocol of, you know, the types of movements that they should be doing or avoiding when coming into the gym. So, you know, definitely not a cookie cutter approach to fitness. You know, mechanics is really that system of body re-education, where you come into the gym, and it's more about developing awareness of your body, where you're at, knowing exactly, you know, where your strengths, where your weaknesses are, where your adhesions are, and you know, developing a, developing a plan of action from there.
0: It's interesting. How you think you move is not actually how you move.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: When I watch myself back on video, if you have a video yourself working out, you have like this picture in your head of what you look like when you work out. (laughs) And then you watch it back and it's like, oh my God, like... I move so badly like my hips don't move (laughs) my head's in a weird place like my shoulders aren't even
1: yeah that's the great like Instagram meme like how I think (laughs) I look when I do this and how I actually look when I do this you know and it's so true like my one of my favorite assessments is like the overhead squat you know and having people just overhead squat air so their arms up over their head and seeing like you know the hip shift and the tilt or the levator scap lifting or their forward head or their you know internally rotated shoulders and all of that you know so it's you know that's a portion of it and from there you know I meet privately with people I give people you know homework assignments that is specific warm-up and cool-down procedures that they should do specific for their own adhesions but you know we also just want to offer as many healing domains in the gym as possible so we all have an in-house massage therapist chiropractor acupuncturist and these mobility sessions so we you know have created this like really special environment where therapists are speaking to each other and we're also speaking to coaches. So coaches know when they come into class, what's the best thing and the best protocol for these athletes.
0: And you, you mentioned this this repair protocol. Can you, can you kind of dive into exactly what that protocol is?
1: Uh, sure. This p- very proprietary information that, I- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I've created. No. Um, to break it down really simply... It is our job as therapists and as coaches. So whether you call yourself a strength coach or a corrective exercise coach or, um, you know, massage therapist or chiropractor or like anyone who's working in this industry of dealing with people and bodies and maximizing performance, it is our job to accurately and consistently evaluate four things. Position, activation, range of motion, and adhesions. So... When I say position, it's, you know, what positions are you trying to get into? What does ideal alignment look and feel and stack like in your body? You know, we look at positions through kind of three different ways. There are the nine global movement patterns. Technically, there are only seven and I added two. So if you look it up, it's going to be like seven global movement patterns. What is Emily talking about? I added two to the list. Uh, And nine global movement patterns are, you know, walking. How do you walk? Do you have a hip shift? Does your head lean forward? Do you walk like a duck with your toes turned out? You know, how do you squat? Uh, How do you hinge? How do you forward fold? How do you hinge with a flat back? How do you pick up groceries up off the floor? And then, you know, how do you lunge a single single leg variation from there? It's how do you horizontal push and pull? You know, can you push someone off of you? Very important skill. You know, can you pull someone towards you? Very important skill. Uh, Vertical push and pull. That's a huge thing when you get older. People can't even put their, you know, put their cups back in their cupboard on the top shelf of their cupboard because they can't press overhead, you know, and and then twist. And then the two that I added are extension, global extension. I think people are really missing that. So I added it to it. And then of course the anti-movement, which is core stability, right? which, uh, yeah. I, yeah. And it's
0: interesting. I mean, we're not, we're not just talking about gym stuff here, right? We're talking no. about like the this real is world. life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, walking around, squatting, getting on and off the toilet for the rest of your life is the number one skill that you need. Like if, you know, my dad always jokes that he's like, you know, if I get to the age that I can no longer get on and off the toilet by myself, like I'm done. That's it. Like that, I've, I've, uh, that's the end of my life, you know? Um. So yeah, so we look at positions through that. We also look at positions, you know, as the joint by joint approach, which is developed by Gray Cook. And then of course now um, the FRC movement, functional range conditioning, and that is, you know, your ankles and your knees and your hips and a little bit more of a joint by joint approach. So we look at that. And then we look at the myofascial net as well, which I'm like totally obsessed with uh, as developed by Tom Myers. And knowing that, you know, your hinge mechanics, your ability to forward fold is connected to the fascia underneath your feet all the way up to your occipital lobes, even to your brow line and the all the adhesions that run along the whole back of your body and, you know, everywhere in there, which is... a a whole podcast for another time and probably another audience of people who are way nerdier than the ones listening right now. Uh, But yeah, so position. And then uh, next we look at activation and, um, if it's mostly what muscles do we need to engage in order to support the position so I'm not talking about our prime movers I'm talking about our stabilizers the little deep, uh, the intrinsic deep core stabilizers uh, we call these anticipatory muscles meaning that these muscles should be on and working and fired before any movement actually even occurs um, and I think a lot of people miss that, you know, they just go to bench press and so they just go and push as opposed to stabilize activate and then push and find that their pushing is then a lot stronger, you know. They create the support for these prime movers to move. So, you know, the more stable structure the more potential to generate more force and power. You know, it causes lack of stabilization, causes your body to compensate either by generating momentum, which we see all the time in the gym, like, you know, like the like heaving weight kind of uh, people. Yeah, the way that Jeff
0: does I, I
1: know I was going to say that, but I, I don't think the people at home right now can accurately see Jeff, but just imagine, you know, Uh, and then or they just create adapted movement patterns to try to overcome the lack of stability that they have you know so we look at position we look at activation and then next of course is range of motion so we're taking note of end range capacity of course without struggle struggle, or with struggle and noticing any compensation so uh, you know if someone's moving uh, weight over their head or just their arms over their head do we notice that their shoulders internally rotate or that their head pokes forward or that their ribs arch up. So, you know, you're trying to keep a really fine-tuned eye on that kind of stuff. And it's not just about flexibility, you know. The difference between flexibility and mobility is really neurological control. It's your ability to, for your brain to speak to your body, to, to move in a certain way that creates stability and a proper position instead of just like End range uh, flexibility that a lot of people I think think of when they think of like mobility training, you know, and then of course so position activation range of motion and then what gets in the way of all those things adhesions or roadblocks, or I like to call them sticky bits. People always laugh when I say that. You didn't laugh. Thanks for laughing. But he he gave me a pity laugh there. I hope you're laughing at home. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we want to assess and address these adhesions that limit position and range of motion. So what's getting in the way of these uh, positions, activation and range of motion? You know, the roadblocks can often be physical, like... You know, of course, little nuggets, uh, knots and nuggets here and there that kind of, you know, limit the ability to move or get in the way or click over your shoulders or whatever it is. But it can also be mental and neurological. You know, a lot of times we have a, a past of trauma and our brain and our... um nervous system creates those roadblocks for us that we can no longer move in that way so we don't um and maybe there's nothing actually physically getting in the way it's just our you know that we need to work a little bit more on a neurological scale um to we create create a lot that that
0: squats right when, when we when we first get people in doing squats it's, it's not always that they they physically can't do it but there's something mentally that stops them right going below parallel or- right
1: and that's why it's nice to then get like a bench behind them and it's like, just sit how you sit on a yeah. couch, sit how you sit on your toilet. Well, yes, yeah, like <laughs> you do
0: this every day on the toilet. Like right. Why when you've got, when you're in the gym. It becomes no longer... an exercise yeah. uh,
1: that you fear instead of yeah, just a just functional movement doing. that you do. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so you're looking for signs of overuse, what needs lengthening, what needs strengthening. And, uh, you know, I always say. Tightness is really just weakness and disguise, which say that to me a lot. dude, meatheads hate when I say that. The look on their face is so funny. It's like, but I can fu- i can deadlift four hundred pounds. What do you mean I'm weak? And I'm like, You're weak. Your hamstrings are tight. You don't have you know, um uh, a shortened muscle has shortened ability uh, you know, shortened range of power and exertion. So um, if you can't access a portion of your muscle, then you can't access its strength either. So tightness is always, always weakness in disguise. And then from there, you got to pattern it, right? You got to achieve good position, activation and mechanics. We got to rewire that circuitry to create these um, instinctual movement patterns that just become kind of proprioception in your body. So in short or not so short, that's the repair protocol.
0: And with the repair protocol, like a different days focused on like different kinds of mobility, like hip mobility on one day, ankle on another, or is it like a combination of?
1: Um, so when it comes to like a group setting, like in repair classes, we definitely sync it up to the programming in the gym. So if Monday is more of a squat emphasis, then, um, you know, we're definitely focusing on that. So it's like, what are you, what are you repairing from? So what was yesterday? What are you preparing for either today or tomorrow? And then there's kind of an element of meet them where they are. So it's like, what are you also just dealing with that we can kind of, uh, kind of go through? I do find, especially with the background in, you know, exploring myofascial net and that, you know, a knee problem is not always a knee problem. It can often be a hip or a bilateral, uh, you know, cross diagonal shoulder problem. So Mm -hmm. sometimes when you are just focusing on the joint by joint approach, you're missing an opportunity to get a lot more, um, you know, see a lot more change happen when you think of things in terms of systems. So maybe I'll work posterior chain. So even though it's like we're not just working hamstrings, we're also working upper back and neck positioning and things like that, you know. So I, I would, say yes to some extent it's focused um, but then to another extent it also is you know your body is you're not a, a set amount of muscles you have one muscle that <laughs> that inserts at a certain amount of places and right. so sometimes it helps to kind of like think of your body as an entire unit not c- uh, separate units that need compartmentalizing
0: and how does that differ from the one-on-one mobility work that you do? Like the group stuff versus the one-on-one?
1: Well, you know, I'll, people either come because, to work one-on-one because of a fear of training due to injury or mobility gaps that are affecting their performance. So the one-on-one is a lot more screening. If they have a history of injury, it is where are you at in your rehab? Where are you at in your physical therapy? What have you been cleared uh, for by your physical therapist? And are we on phase one, two, three, or four of physical therapy and getting back to performance? If it is a performance issue, it's where are your gaps and then can I give you some specific uh, drills to help improve those gaps. Um, So it's a lot more focused and the individualized stuff is you know, it's a lot of homework. You're signing up to come in 15 minutes or half an hour before or after class um, and um, getting more work done specifically for you. I would say in the group setting, we're working on like more of these global imbalances that we see most people come in with, you know, posture issues, hinge issues, hamstring issues, like more of the everyday stuff or the uh, program specific stuff that we're working on. But in the individualized approach, you know, it's Oftentimes people coming back post-injury, post-physical therapy, you know, there's this horrible place of, okay, I had six physical therapy sessions and now what? Right. And I'm not quite ready. You know, I had a meniscus tear and I'm not quite ready to come back into a strength training or a sprint class or, you know, train with just a lot of like change of levels or things like that. So it's like, how do I manage my training uh, volume and load now? What modifications do I need and what exercises? take me from physical therapy which is maybe phase one or two to now phase three or four where it's that progressive overload that gets them back into the performance that you know hopefully or is their goal you know
0: and i'm assuming like as always with gym stuff you see trends right you see you see common faults um with with communities what are the most common ones you see you know with our community what are the common faults you see in people
1: Um, well in general public so not necessarily athletes but just people coming straight off the street um, a big one is a lack of global extension so lack of hip extension and chest extension well
0: what does that mean Um, for the average person for the average
1: person uh, the uh, lack of ability to chest bump the world you know their shoulders are always rolled forward their shoulders and arms are in front of their body because everything they do is forward leaning they're driving they go from um, you know driving their cars and being hunched forward in their traps, stressing out up into their ears to sitting down at their computer with their arms in front of their body. They don't spend a lot of time with their arms behind their body. And if they do, then they'll compensate with a lot of thoracic extension and rib flaring and not a lot of, like, you know, spinal alignment. So we see a lack of extension um, in your chest. We see a lack of extension in through your hips. Um, So, uh, you know, people sit all day. They're sitting at a 90 degree angle. They move from their car at a 90 degree angle to their, uh, to their, uh, office at a 90 degree angle to their couch, watching Netflix at a 90 degree angle, or, you know, maybe recline back a little bit. Um, and people are really missing the ability to extend their hips. So, you know, we say like, oh, you have weak glutes, you can't access your glutes, so a lot of people are like, oh, you got to strengthen, let's start doing squats. But if you're not even able to get into a hip-extended position, then you're not really able to access the strength of your glutes that you need in general. Right. I say this to you all the time, right? Like, we can do reverse hypers all day, but if we're not training the posterior tilt of your pelvis and the extension of your hips, um, then – you know, your reverse hypers are only going to get you so far uh, before we start to see more uh, kind of compensation. So lack of extension is a big one. Uh, and then lack of proper hinge mechanics is huge. You know, like how you pick up your groceries, like people just round and forward fold and flex all the time. And what I'm really talking about is uh, hinge is the ability for your hamstrings to separate from your hip, to separate from your spine. So if you're having trouble visualizing that, imagine that we're looking for an angle, not an arch. You know right. that when you bend over and pick something up, I don't want to see this global arch of your body. I want to see like a ninety degree, uh, like flat back. Like I want to be able to eat dinner off your back. That's how flat your back. And <laughs> yeah, I have to say,
0: I think when, when I've done intros uh, and done screens and stuff, this is probably the biggest one that I see. Like people, I'll say all day long, just shove your bum back as far as you possibly can right. and keep your back flat. And the amount of people that just cannot shove their bum back, they yeah. just can not do it lean their it's body incredible. forward yeah it's yeah. crazy yeah and like i'll 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 demo it and i'll say watch what i do and then copy me and then they'll do it it's like D- do you think you just did what what i did that, right and, you know, they and they do they do yeah, they think it's the same think, thing yes. it's like no
1: yeah <laughs> um and then another one is lack of rotation cuz not a lot of our life allows us to do rotation um both that is spinal rotation but also hip so internal and external rotation and then shoulder internal and external rotation Um, we, I, I see a lack of that. And then a lack I, you know, in a lot of other, uh, like gyms and fitness programs, I see a lack of training that rotation. So then when people rotate, they just throw into their low back there, you know, your lumbar spine, are big, uh, big junky discs with a lot of fluid in between. So they're, of course, the most flexible as opposed to your mid-back, which has ribs attached, right? So you're not going to get as much rotation from there. Um, so a lot of people just throw into like a, you know, a twist and just crank through their low back as opposed to finding more global uh, spinal rotation um, and finding, you know, each segment of their spine to have a, a that available rotation.
0: I, I think um, like even even with people who train a lot, like I, I remember when I used to box, a lot like I used to be rotating all the time right because I was you know throwing those kind of sure. shots I was focusing on a lot of twisting and so forth and then when I stopped boxing like I wasn't doing as much rotation everything was just like
1: yeah For, forward <laughs> backwards, backwards forwards and backwards yeah and, and we um, say like oh a varied fitness uh, uh, like
0: you yeah. know
1: oh you're doing something different every day but if you look at the actual patterns, patterns the of your body are you
0: and then I remember when I went back to boxing it's like oh my god I can't move like I used to be able to move and a lot of that was because I just
1: wasn't practicing rotating, it?
0: hadn't been you yeah. know, hadn't been twisting anymore yeah
1: um, and then another one, this is a small one, but a, a real lack of wrist extension. And that, again, has to come from, you know, our smartphones and always being forward or texting right. forward and people come into the gym and, like, they can't hold a plank position because it's tight on their wrists and they're like, oh, my wrists don't do that. Well, of course they don't do that, so they can't, like, you're not doing it, you're not practicing it. Or you come right in and then a lot of people throw right in a barbell onto their front rack position and then they're like, oh, that hurts my wrists, you know. Well, it's like, of course it does. There's nothing in your life that you you are doing that is training wrist extension, especially wrist extension under load. Um, So I think we see a lot of people uh, miss that and then and then call it uh like a problem as in like oh they have wrist issues so they just avoid anything they you know hold planks on their fists and stuff and that's it that's okay you can absolutely do that but we also kind of want to push the needle of like okay well what's phase one of getting you to better wrist extension instead of just avoiding it entirely can we practice you know up against the wall spreading your hands gripping every knuckle bed into the floor practicing you know weight distribution so you're not just landing it all into your wrists and stuff like that so I like seeing that. Um, That's general public common faults. And then for high level athletes, it is uh, an over dominance of large prime movers. So, you know, people come in and they're super strong of their prime movers. They can move a lot of weight. They can move it quickly. They can move it powerfully. uh, But weakness of their stabilizing muscles. So those anticipatory muscles I was talking about earlier. Um, So, yeah.
0: And, you know, you've been doing this a while now. You've seen a lot of people, hundreds of people, thousands of people. Um, Why do you think these programs are successful?
1: Thanks for saying they're successful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they are. Uh, It's true. Um, I always joke that I am the most annoying coach that you'll ever meet. Annoying coach,
0: annoying wife. It's true.
1: (laughs) How you do one thing is how you do all (laughs) the things, you know? Um, But it's true. I'm so nitpicky. Like, I will not let you move like shit. And I have a very... Uh, keen eye on assessing and addressing and seeing these common movement faults. So I think a lot of that is just being very aware, hyper aware that, ty- that, you know, that part of my personality that's already like that lends itself really well to, um, you know, being in the gym and noticing those things and, you know, working with people. But unlike, you know, in terms of the program itself, it's like, you know, I think a lot of other flexibility programs fail because... They're not providing long-lasting improvement in mobility. They, um, you know, quick fixes, three minutes here, you stretch your hamstring, forward fold, uh, oh, I can touch my toes, and the next week, oh, why am I back to where I was before, you know? Um It's successful because it's built around creating neurological control and patterning as soft tissue is changing and your positions are improving. So once you achieve a new range, how do I teach my central nervous system to control that newly acquired range? You know, That's what I'm passionate about.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of it is like understanding as well. You're very good at explaining to people what the problem is and how to fix it as opposed to, you know, it's very easy to go online and watch a a stretch video about how to stretch this, how to stretch that but you don't really understand what the problem is or why you are weak in that area or, you know. Right. um, You don't really have any comprehension. So that's, I think that's huge.
1: And then, you know, for me, I think also it's now that I have that eye. And um, as I'm getting into, you know, as I'm moving away from, you know soft tissue therapist and and coach into more managerial <laughs> and you know being the owner and being a mom and not having as much time to work one on one with people i'm now really passionate about teaching athletes and coaches to understand the communication of their own movement patterns you know i think that passion is ultimately really infectious and it gets yeah. people really pumped up about reeducating their own body and what it's capable of
0: you know, we we talked about the one to one stuff, the one on one stuff. We talked about the, the you know the group sessions. Now you're a mom, um, and, <laughs> and you're you know, you're a, I'm a dad, uh, business owners, all that kind of stuff. How is this now scalable? How do we how do we you know how do we grow this thing?
1: It really comes through with our our coaches development. You know, we have a mechanics portion, um, and we. I, I, I hope we, we want all of our coaches to say that they are as annoying and nitpicky as I am, you know? I want all of our coaches to be able to see and witness and be able to prevent injury through the ability to foresee all these faulty movement patterns and know what modifications and cues to provide. Um, And of course, this course is growing and never ending and constantly evolving but that's now the thing that I'm most passionate about is how can I pay it forward to the coaches who are seeing all these athletes and uh while also still empowering the athletes themselves to just play a larger role in their own health you know people care a lot about uh you know, how they, um, their strength gains and the weight on the bar and the weight on the scale. And I want people to care just as much about, you know, their range of motion and, uh, and what they're missing. So I'll keep paying, paying that forward. Um, but for now I'm just like focused on developing coaches that they can have the same eye to stop injury before it starts.
0: I think there's a lot of people out there, um, who have, had injuries, who do have problems, um, and they're worried about getting back into training. Do you have any advice for people who are are coming back from from injury that you'd like to... Absolutely.
1: First, get cleared. Get cleared by your doctor, your physical therapist. Um, And then it's a constant ongoing process of learn or relearn and then control and then from there, load and explode. A lot of people just come in and get right to the load part. Um, but, you know, learn the mechanics, learn to control those mechanics. Then from there, you can load those mechanics and then explode and get, you know, um, a lot more fast moving. So progressive overload is really the answer. And that takes patience and it. It doesn't always take li- "quote that, that you know, the quote unquote, listening to your body, you know, because sometimes your ego is speaking way louder than your body is. Um, you know, one of my mentors and creators of the postpartum and uh, um, pregnancy and postpartum athleticism, Brianna Battles, she instead says, listen to the voice that you have been trained to ignore, which I love, um, you know. Uh, and then, you know, from there, make sure that you enlist the right help. Uh, get someone to check you out and help you build a program that takes you from rehab back into performance. Make sure that person is nitpicky. Um, you know, if they annoy you a little bit, they're probably the right person to help you. <laughs> Maybe I'm just saying that. Um And, you know, the biggest thing is don't just dive back in. Um And remember, doing nothing is doing nothing. A lot of people come in and they're like, oh, I'm taking it easy. I'm laying off my shoulder that almost never helps in the long run for acute pain. Yeah. You know, we gotta, you gotta stop a little bit. You gotta scale back. You gotta let inflammation lower. You gotta, you know, do the the rice methodology of if you have an acute injury, but eventually we need to adopt the protocol of training the position, learning the activation, the stabilizing, um, getting back into whatever available range of motion you have and improving that overall patterning.
0: Very cool. Um, so from here, like uh, any actionable tips that that you can give people who are looking to, you know, increase their performance somewhat.
1: Yeah, for um, the performance-driven folk out yeah. there, uh, build better warm-up and cool-down protocols specific to your programming. Right. So um, you know, don't just come in and do the stuff and skimp out on the warm-up. Yeah,
0: I see that a lot. Like people just do the same. Warm ups, even though the workout is completely different, right? right?
1: Like this is my thing. I mean, unless you have a really thorough, but bo- a joint by joint body, like a, a body warm up. Um, you know, think about what's the focus, what is the emphasis for today, what are you repairing from, what was yesterday's workout, what are you preparing for, either today or tomorrow's workout, and then of course any. Uh, you know, extras, the traumas that you have, the little impingement here that you're feeling, you know. Um, I would say that that's probably the the biggest tip is build better warm-up and cool-down protocols. And if you don't know how to do that, Yeah, you can go on YouTube University and find the stretch for this and the stretch for that, you know, but if you can enlist the right help and, um, you know, find a coach that is uh, as nerdy as I am about corrective exercise and improving performance. Few um, and and
0: far between. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Then, you know, then you've really gotten that kind of unfair advantage that uh, proper mobility training provides.
0: well awesome thank you so much that was was a lot it was a lot you shared a lot there I did I try
1: to like put in as much as I possibly can
0: yeah it's great I'm sure I'm a
1: pusher you (laughs) know
0: okay guys thanks again for tuning in Um, if you would like more from us you can find us at Ferris Echo Park on Instagram Um, if you're in the neighborhood we'd love to see you we are a neighborhood gym we are a family gym we'd love to see you at 1316 Glendale Boulevard if you haven't subscribed to this channel yet please click the subscribe button If you've already subscribed, thank you so much. Please share with your friends. Please share with your family. um, And please tune in again soon. Uh, We will be back with you um, very soon. Take care. Thanks so much.